It's episode 167 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm so excited for my next guest. She is the owner of Rees Sweets and Savories, but that's just the icing on the cake, pun intended. She is also a licensed professional counselor associate. I'm talking about Renita Newton. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. The invitation is wonderful. Oh, yes. And so I feel like you have been everywhere with Reese Sweets and Savories. Um, and you've only been in business, I think, for a little over half a year, right? Yeah, just over half a year. Um, August will be one year. August 17th to the date. Uh, this year will be one full year. Congratulations on that. And another congratulations is in order because I saw you share yesterday that you just completed your last class required for the Ph.D. program. Yes, that is correct. I finished all course requirements for a 69-hour uh, PhD in counselor education. So I am all but dissertation. I just need to write all five chapters, propose and defend, and I'll have my degree. Wow. Okay, so what's the timeline? Like, is it kind of like at your own discretion? Like, do you determine that or is it very structured? Well, you get seven years to complete it. Um, however, I do not want to take all seven years. That is not my plan at all. Um, so hopefully here soon, I am actively writing. Um, my projected proposal timeframe would be within late June, early July to mid-July. Um, conduct my study between August and September. Um, it may bleed into October, have a defense um, late fall. Um, mid to late fall, and then hopefully, um, if everything works out well, um, to graduate in December. If not, I have made it okay to finish uh, next year in the spring of 23. Okay, but I mean, we're talking, I mean, a matter of, of a year, essentially, is your timeline. Yeah, so timeline, you, um, you get to decide. Um, it's really how motivated you are, how dedicated you are, um, you get to decide. Mm -hmm. um, you do, like I have a chair, um, and so some chairs can be quite rigorous um, and provide very strict deadlines. Um, my chair is very flexible with me, so I'm able to say, hey, you know, I would like to try to get a draft to you by, you know, next Thursday, or let's take a couple of weeks off and I'll do some researching and then I'll try to get back to you, you know, in a few weeks. Um, so I do appreciate that. Uh, she is a bit I guess, lenient and flexible with me. Um, so I do get to be on my own timeline. Uh, I get to go at my own pace, if you can say that. Right. Well, but it also seems to me that you are very responsible with your your timeline, I guess, for lack of a better word. I mean, people are given seven years. You're like, I want to wrap this up in a year. I mean, mm -hmm. has that always yeah. been a quality that you've had where you're like, let's just knock it out? Like, why drag it out? Yeah, um, since... I guess birth um, just I think that's just part of my personality is hey we have a goal that we're trying to accomplish um, if it can't be done within this time frame um, why not you know um, given that life does happen you know life has happened uh, for me um, throughout the duration of this program so learning to be flexible and adaptable um, within reason um, but just remembering like the goal is the goal and so hey we're, we're working to finish it up here pretty soon Oh, I am so excited for you. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I I, uh, I stopped at my bachelor's and just the thought of anything higher, it just wasn't for me. So anyone who pursues that and puts the time in and the effort in, I'm in awe of. So you. congratulations. So counselor education, I feel like that's such an important field to be in. And it really, that particular field really does, you know, encourage you to excel by getting your master's and then your PhD. So why specifically counselor education? Why was that your focus? Well, I moved here in 2016 to Corpus Christi from Hammond, Louisiana. So oh, wow. Here in Louisiana. Um, and I did my master's here in counseling, as I said. And so the program was really one that I connected with. I grew so much as a person. Uh, I learned so much about myself as a person, so much about other people. I um, mean, I love people. And it just wanted, it inspired me to want to go further. Um, the late Dr. Smith is one of my, I guess I can say not closest professors, but one who poured a lot into me uh, at the master's level, so much so that 
he wrote my letter. He gave me my acceptance letter for the PhD program. Um, wow. It, it just means a lot to me. I'm really getting to know people's stories, really getting to um, pour into the lives of other people. Um, and at this stage, you know, other students who desire to be counselors, just as I desire to become a counselor. And so being able to carry the torch and, you know, pass it on and impart knowledge that I've uh, developed over the past three years onto my future students. And so really, it's just sort of that philanthropic effort of like me giving back. Um, me being able to pour into students as I was poured into by my professors um, and just continuing to educate, impact and empower. I always say that. Um, that's educate, my impact, empower. I love that. To educate, impact and empower my future students. And so my desire is that teaching them, they will go on and do the same thing uh, in their work with clients, in their work with students, um, should they decide to pursue uh, their doctorates as well. Yeah, because <laughs> that is such an undertaking. I mean, wow. I mean, you, I just, like I said, I can't even fathom that. In addition to starting a business, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But yes. so when it comes to being a licensed professional counselor associate, so whenever I think of a counselor, I think of someone... And again, this is like my lack of knowledge, right? I think of somebody who someone can go to to maybe discuss, I don't know, something that's on their mind. Maybe they're having, a, they're struggling with something. Um, mm -hmm. But then I also think of counselors in the educational association in that they help people with like their degree tracks. So yeah. are they both true and are they both true for you? It's both true, yes. Um, I'm currently a program coordinator. That's my full-time job um, for a federally funded program here on the campus of Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi, um, that services students who identify uh, as first generation, so um, their mother or father do not have a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. um, some may have a documented disability that could look like test anxiety, um, wow. just general anxiety, depression, bipolar, um, PTSD, um, and then some have a financial need. And so they may utilize financial aid um, to cover the cost of their uh, college expenses. And so as a program coordinator, that's a unique role where I get to uh, counsel, provide guidance to my students who have a caseload of about 64 to 68 students or so. Um, wow. I don't, I don't meet with all 60 plus students, um, but I do meet with quite a few of them. Um, and we have monthly meetings and we talk real talk. Um, we talk about goals. We talk about um, real life, you know, if it's relationship problems, if it's that exam coming up and we're approaching finals week here at the university. And so what are some of those barriers that might not allow you to succeed on these exams? Um, what are your stressors? What are you worried about? Um, and how can I, as your staff member, your support staff, you know, support you and encourage you to do well? And, you know, what are those things that you need? What are those strategies um, that I can provide to you um, as a resource, as a source of support? So for me, it's like a duality. Um, I get to use my degree here. Um, and then I also did prior to... Um, taking a quick break. Um, I did some private practice work as well with the local private practice in Kingsville. Wow. And I was able to work there um, roughly about a year and a half um, doing some private practice work as an LPC associate there as well. Very good. Uh, yeah, you can tell that the desire to help people is there. And I mean, students need it. Because I think about when I was an undergrad, I didn't have a relationship with a counselor at all, you know? Um, and I think, okay, and, and please correct me if I'm misinterpreting, but when you said first, uh -huh. when you said first generation students, and my mind first went to first gen Americans, but you're saying first gen higher education. Yeah, in higher education. So their mother or father did not go to a four year institution. Um, and so they are the first in that family unit um, to go on to pursue a bachelor's degree, a four-year degree. Yeah, and so that that is me, because neither one of my parents did that. You know what I mean? I feel like I would have... I was very aimless as an undergrad, and I feel as though having someone like you as a resource would have benefited me greatly. So I'm very happy that students now have access to you in that way. Yeah, and I share with my students all the time that it wasn't until the second year of my master's program, whenever National First Generation Day, which is November 8th, I'm very proud of that day now because I didn't know that I was first generation. Um, and so I would think back to my undergraduate experience, excuse me, my undergraduate experience of why was it so hard? 
why did I have so many obstacles? For you know, sure. Why were there so many struggles? Why didn't I know about financial aid? Why didn't I know about, you know, various resource centers on campus to help me? Um, why didn't I know about the counseling center and that all of these resources were uh, free, if you will, or like built into my tuition and fees already that mm-hmm. I had already paid for it. Had no clue all four years of my undergraduate career um, that I could really utilize the services to their full advantage. Um, I started to learn about the services, but it was like, oh, maybe I need to pay for it. I don't have my mother. My father was incarcerated. I don't have the resources to, you know, um, pay out a counselor or let alone we really didn't even talk about counseling. Yes. To getting here is sort of you know, I think of true calling, I would say. Yes. Um, it wasn't even something that was discussed to put it out there like that. So yeah, definitely. I like to share that, you know, it's something to be proud of. Um, so owning that I'm a proud first generation graduate, you know, is one of the things that I now hold a lot of great pride for. And the work that I'm doing with the students now is even more uh, impactful, you know, more appreciative and I'm very humble. Uh, and grateful to be able to serve as a support staff for them. That's huge. Uh, and thank you for bringing that up about how I am I think you and I might be around the same generation. And so counseling really wasn't something like you said that we even talked about and you assumed yeah. that it was kind of um, wasn't economically feasible and like that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that was definitely something that a mindset that I had at, at the time too. It was kind of like, well, you're on your own, you know, if there's help along the way, like good for you, mm-hmm. but mostly you're on your own. So that's amazing. So yeah. in your years of study, do you find that there's any qualities that make an effective counselor and what those might be? Definitely one that can listen. Um, I think top priority, you must be a good listener. Um, and listening to understand, um, not listening to respond or always have an answer. That's a good um, differentiation. Person, yeah, you know, not always listening to like, oh, what can I respond? Um, but really listening to hear and understand, you know, what that person is sharing with you. Um, and just sometimes that's all someone needs is for you to hear them, for you to listen to them um, with empathy, with understanding and compassion. Um, Another thing that I would say is being able to be empathetic and compassionate. Um, Those both go hand in hand. Um, Not trying to uh, sway or, you know, have any judgment, but just really listening, um, being empathetic, having that compassion, the heart of, you know, I recognize we're all human beings. We all suffer. Um, And I'm here with you in your suffering. And so having that compassion for others. Um, Also being a great advocate. Uh, sometimes we'll have people, clients, students uh, come to us in need of various supports um, and being able to advocate for, you know, those who um, cannot do so for themselves. Um, I think that's another another strong skill. Also having cultural humility. Um, and I say that meaning I recognize that we may be from two separate cultures, um, a variety of different cultures. You know, however, I respect that your worldview is different from mine. And I value that and I honor that and I appreciate um, where you come from. And through getting to know you um, helps me to better understand you as a person and why you do the things that you do, you know, why these things are important to you, um, your values, your beliefs. And so um, lots of great qualities. Uh, also, being afraid to ask, not being afraid to ask the tough questions. Um, so I think that also can further facilitate deep discussion. Um, bringing out insight um, that you might not have gotten if you would have just asked very surface level questions. Yes, that's a big one. The, the, yeah. the last, yeah. all, all of these are great, but the past two are hitting very hard. That Those yeah. are very you good. Know, so not being afraid to uh, what we would call when I was going through training, go deeper. You know, uh, think about it like the IV. You know, if you're going to get blood work done, like sometimes they have to go a little bit deeper into the veins, you know, in order to get the blood yeah. to come out. Um, And so not being afraid to go there, you know, it can be scary or, you know, you think about uncharted territory, you don't know what might come up. However, if you don't ask those questions, um, it could be a make or break before you find out about a suicidal ideation uh, sometimes. Yes. It's really just that important. 
or it can be just that important or just that effective. Um, so, you know, those are just a few. While there are very many others, um, those are ones that I would hope that I embody, um, that I possess as a counselor, um, and a, a lot more as well. But those are just a few that come up and that come to mind. Well, that was quite the list, and all I mean things that I didn't even, I I knew were true, but didn't recognize, mm-hmm. or I could th- I would have never brought those up to mind until you said them. I'm like, yes, those are excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah but and so. Having been in the field that you're in, do you find that there is a common thread of worries maybe or preoccupations that students kind of have? Like, does it seem as though, you know what I mean? That there's like a select few that seem to affect a majority of students. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the work that I've done, it's uh, financial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for we're supporting sure. ourselves. You know, I get that a lot. It's it's just me, Miss Re, or like, I don't have a parental support or my parents, again, with the first generation, their parents haven't gone through this. And so, you know, a lot of them are figuring it out, you know, on their own. And can you help me find a scholarship? You know, do you know of any grants? Um, I'm scared to take out loans because, you know, what if I don't make enough money after graduation to, to pay Of that? course. Um, you know, so the financial, I would say is probably the most. Um, and then, uh, lots come in dealing with a lot of personal issues with their families, um, just not understanding what this college experience is like. Mm-hmm. Again, um, family haven't done it before, family having uh, not gone to college or they don't know about, you know, the college experience. And so uh, students who are very invested in their studies and they're studying hard, they're working hard, um, they're not able to really be on the phone all the time or go home as much. Um, some commute. And so they're here on campus. And then when the summer comes, they may take a break to go back to Houston or San Antonio or Dallas. Um, so while they're here from you know January to May for the semester, they may get to go home just a few times. And so there's the family conflict of like, we never see you anymore. And so um, oh, wow. those personal issues with them, um, helping them see that they're making a very big sacrifice um, for a very a very big great reward um, at the end, which is their first bachelor's degree, um, and so working through those issues, um, working through a lot of generational uh, issues as well. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I have the case of students who, you know, there's just a lot of family stuff happening, and how do I deal with you know a grandmother who wants to still be in control of me and I'm oh wow. I'm an adult. Wow. And I want to make my own decisions. And I feel like I can't because I live with her. And so really working to help them advocate for themselves. Well, yes, that's your grandmother and you're an individual. Um, you're an adult. Um, and so we might need to be able to figure out a way. How can we talk to grandma and communicate with her that, hey, I understand that you um, you care about me a lot. And I respect that you love me so much. Uh, that you don't want me to go to San Antonio every weekend. However, you know, these are some things that I must do um, so that I am successful in college and that I can graduate um, and that I can make you all proud. You know, I can make myself proud um, for accomplishing this goal of getting my first bachelor's degree. So working on ways to help them strategize communication with family um, is a big thing um, because there's a lot of conflict, Mm -hmm. um, the family arguments. Um, and then self-worth, self-efficacy, uh, whether they believe in themselves enough uh, that they're worthy enough to be in these spaces. So belonging. Oh, wow. What a great factor. one. That's a great uh, one. Sense of belonging is a huge, huge factor. Um, where, where do I fit in in this campus? Um, within this program, where do I fit in? Um, and helping them see that. And so, yeah, a lot of the work that I do through my workshops, I try to incorporate that in all the work that I do. And so those are some of the main ones. Um, there are lots of others as well. Relationship problems. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, um, mental health issues do tend to come up. Um, severe anxiety, severe depression, um, helping them work through getting up and still showing up to their classes um, instead of just staying in bed, you know, helping them find the motivation again. Um, so it's all encompassed. I do a lot of that. Um, so it's a program coordinator, but I'm also counseling, uh, working really hard to keep them on track, give them the resources and skills that they need to be successful 
um, personal, academic, and professional as well. I mean, you are, yes. I mean, you, you really are guiding these individuals in so many ways. I mean, you know, personally with their school life, something that you brought up um, twice that really resonated with me was the financial aid portion of it. Um, because really, you know, yes, the finances are an issue for a lot of students. They definitely were for me at the time. And, you know, my, my parents didn't have a ton of info, you know, they just knew I wanted to go to college and wanted to do whatever they could. So we ended up taking out like personal loans with banks with like ridiculous interest, you know what I mean? And so it's like, man, like if I had someone like you, you know, who could kind of guide me toward, you know, what's best or, or whatever. Cause I think back on it and I'm like, man, like now that we know better, we can do better. But at the time, we just did not know any better, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, but uh, I mean, it's just great to, to hear this and to hear that, that this is, you know, people like you are there now. So for anybody who's a student listening, who maybe wasn't aware of, you know, people like you being on campus or, or you know, that there's a plethora of resources at their disposal, what would be the first step to becoming, to familiarizing themselves with, with all of it? Like, how do they get in touch, you know? Yeah, so I'm located uh, at A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, my office is 135B in the Glasscock Center. Um, I am uh, with a STEM program, and so students will need to be majoring in a STEM-related field. Very good. So whether it's nursing, biology, health science, uh, biomedical science, engineering, environmental science, you name it. Um, long as it's a STEM-related field, mm -hmm. um, we do have an application process, again, because we are federally funded. Um, and so that application process would be meeting one or all three of the requirements of being first generation, um, having a documented disability, which is not disclosed to our program. Um, they just need to have it on record. Um, and we don't know what the doc we don't need to know what the disability is, is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, and then have that financial need. And so meeting one or all three of those criteria um, would help them to qualify for the program. Um, as we are grant funded, we do require some taxable information. Um, but other than that, I process applications. I recommend them, send them off to my director. She approves, um, sends it back to me. I call the student, uh, invite them in for a program interview just to get to know them a little bit better. Of and course. then um, we service them until they graduate. Very good. Okay, that that was a very helpful step-by-step. -step. So anybody that thinks they might qualify, y'all know where to find Re and uh, get more information. So I've seen also that you've been guest, a guest lecturer um, for different, uh, I think it was a completely different university. Is that right? I'm most recently, um, back in March. Yes, yes. And so uh, I wrote down what it was called, but it was like health, mental health stigma and the African-American community. And so I feel like that's such an important topic to talk about and you know, how, how did that presentation go for you? Do you feel like you really got the point across? And why is, why is it such an important subject to be, you know, put out in the open? Yeah, so a colleague reached out. Uh, he's actually um, a faculty um, there teaching. Uh, he wanted me to come in and provide a presentation uh, to his class on counseling needs for the African-American population. Um, as I was saying earlier, as an African-American, uh, African-American female, um, going through my undergrad, going through just life growing up um, as a kid, going through high school, um, middle school, all of that stuff, mental health wasn't really a thing that was talked about. Um, and I'm not that old, like I'm pretty young, I would like to think, um, but you would think that would be something that we can have open conversations about, that we can uh, feel free to talk about it. However, um, in my family, that's not something we talked about. Um, you were crazy or there was something wrong with you. Um, everything that happens in the family stays in the family and we better not find out that you told so-and-so because if we do, that's a problem. That's our business mm -hmm. and we'll handle it here uh, within our own family. And so I feel like just through my own personal life experiences, um, thinking back and just in hindsight, observing how my family unit was, have we talked about mental health? Have we talked about the impact of stress, anxiety? Uh, have we talked about just the ability to go and speak to someone professional? Um, I do think things would have been much, much better. Um, I think that 
we would have been freed from so many traumas. We would have been freed from so many anxieties, miscommunications, um, because through that, like, you know, you think about counseling, oh, you must have a mental illness. Yes. You can go to a counselor to learn better communication strategies. Uh, you can go to a counselor to learn better um, ways to cope and deal with stress and frustration. And so I think that um, it's important to me because I wish growing up that it was something that would have been imparted upon me, my family, um, others in my community, the community uh, that I grew up in. Um, it would have definitely saved a lot of traumas and hurts and pains and misunderstandings. Um, I think we would have been able to communicate better um, and approach each other with a lens of understanding rather than a lens of confusion, uh, misjudgment, uh, and those sorts of things. And so it's really important uh, to me, mental health in general, um, you know, and just destigmatizing that, uh, that it is okay to talk about what you're going through. It is okay to share um, your experiences. Um, we're all in this world together. Um, we all have our own unique things that we're dealing with, um, however we're choosing to deal with them. Uh, we're more alike than we are different is what I like to say. And so, so um, true. That's, that's so true. Important. Yes. Uh, I'm just sitting here nodding as you're talking the whole time because I'm like, yes, all of this. Yes. Uh, something that you said that I want to reiterate is that, you know, while counseling is there for those who are having, you know, dealing with mental health issues, it's not only for that. It's also to assist in helping you be a better communicator, like you said, or better handle, you know, what can be considered, you know, unfavorable emotions or whatever, but we all have them. That, that's huge. That That's really, really important. And, and again, it's something that I knew to be true, but I'd never put it into words. And you just summed it up beautifully. And so, and please correct me if I'm wrong. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Is that correct? May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So yes. we are currently in Mental Health Awareness Month. If I'm not mistaken, July is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month. Okay. So that month is dedicated specifically to uh, mental health for those people identifying as Black, Indigenous, um, and people of color. Yes. You have an event coming up on May 18th called You Gotta Nour Nourish to Flourish, which is an interactive self-care workshop. So tell me more about this, because this is really exciting and I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah, so my brain as a counselor... Um, I guess going back to what makes a good one, you have to be creative and flexible. Um, and so sometimes I just have thoughts. I'm like, oh, wow, this would be a great workshop, you know, because while I guess I have the business, you know, I'm a counselor at heart. And I was like, hey, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. What a great way, like LaToya has her flower shop. What a great way to collaborate with her and like mental health, flowers. I just had this random idea. Uh, so I messaged her and I was like, hey, I had a thought in my head of like, this awesome collaboration, you can totally say no, um, but what about like a mental health, like self-care workshop uh, where people can like have some self-care. Um, I can provide some, you know, mindfulness meditation techniques. That's another thing I like to do. Um, Love really it. Mindfulness meditation um, and just really being present in the moment, um, being aware with our bodies, ourselves. Um, and so, pretty much just kind of we're going back and forth and she's just well what do you want to call it kind of thing and I was like well what about this and so we came up with the title um I said oh and I can do some sweets as well to kind of you know blend everything together so just really trying to find a way to blend the business blend my profession you know get a collaboration with another um black owned woman business here in this uh the local area um and make it meaningful um intentional um, and empowering for those who do decide to to attend. So that's really how it came about. Um, we're still working on a few things with it, but yeah, May 18th at six o'clock, um, it's $25. I'll provide some mindful meditation. Um, I do, I'm learning mm -hmm. uh, how to play the crystal singing bowl. <gasps> how amazing! Um, that, and I'll have the crystal pyramid as well. Um, so I hope to bring some of my instruments that I use for uh, the meditation practices, um, We'll get to do a hand tie bouquet. And so just sort of really trying to merge the two together um, and then enjoy some sweets that I of have course. There um, for that for that event. Yeah, that's going to be super cool. And so how can people go about getting tickets for this event? 
yeah, so the links have been posted um, on my Instagram, uh, my Facebook. I know Latoya has been sharing as well. So I've been trying to post to my stories, um, my business page, my personal page. Um, I'm blanking on the full link uh, mm-hmm. right now for where they can go. But if you do continue to just check our Instagram uh, and Facebook pages, um, the announcement has been posted there uh, with the link to register. Um, Once you click on that, it'll take you to uh, how to register. Just follow the steps and then we'll see y'all there at six o'clock on eight. Very good. That's amazing. And so now I want to switch gears into Rees, Sweets and Savories. So it's a delivery service specifically, right? So... Yes, and I'm going to be revamping that because pop-ups have started to happen Yes, um, quite a bit. So I guess giving you how I started maybe. Yes, please. Um, I started out that way um, where I would cook on the weekends and then I would just deliver fresh hot food. Um, I have the full menu posted on my Facebook. um, And what a menu it is. I'm just, (laughs) I'm so disappointed in myself that I just now, like within the past few months came across you. I'm like, where have I been? Yeah, and so, um, you know, it's more of like a Cajun-style menu, definitely lots of mixes of my favorite foods from uh, from back home. But really, the start of this happened very randomly, um, but with purpose. I will say randomly, but with purpose, because I remember just waking up one night or early one morning. I was at my laptop making a menu around 5 o'clock, and... Later that day, I sent it out to two of my best friends back home. I was like, hey, what do y'all think of this? I'm thinking about starting a business. And everything felt very, like, autopilot. Like, I recognized I was doing something. Wow. And I really didn't know what I was doing, if that makes sense. Like, I just remember being up at the computer, making the menu. Like, even so much so, like, writing out all my descriptions of the items but this stems way back to even in my childhood. I've been cooking since I was seven, um, where I would always be asked, are you going to open a restaurant? And I would be like, oh, no. You really? Know, I, think I can do that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, doubting myself, you know, fighting through self-doubt, fighting through, you know, I don't know if I can really do that. Like, I like to cook for people, but I don't know if I can turn it into a business. Like, mm-hmm. let me just cook for you, family gatherings, church gatherings, potlucks, I got you. Um, but I don't know about actually making this into a business. Right. Uh, and so when I did the menu, when I sent it out, one of my friends was like, it looks like it's from the Cheesecake Factory. You know, I was like, oh, you're doing too much. You know, calm down. <laughs> you know, oh, my lot, gosh. But <laughs> like, calm down. I don't think it's that great. Like the Cheesecake Factory, you know, to be compared with that. You know, she was giving me, you know, I guess the big head on it. Um, but I remember sending it out to them. And then the next thing you know, I started talking to a few other friends that I had here local. Like, hey, I think I'm going to start this. And then I had one friend uh, who's really so kind to me. She says, hey, if you're going to do this, I'm going to help you. These are the things that you need to do. You need to do your sales tax. You need to do this. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, no one in my family that I know of um, has an entrepreneurial bone. Like, I'm like probably the first one uh, to be doing this. And Well, it sounds like you're the first to do a lot of things. Yeah, and um, very, very humbled about that. And so put it out there, started taking orders, told my coworkers about it here at the university, um, gave out some samples about some stuff. Um, and then the boss and brunch event was probably the first yes. event that I was publicly, like, really out there at, mm-hmm. um, chicken and waffles. And from there... Yeah, I you catered that, food. right? Yes. Yeah. And so it was me, and then I had a friend help me uh, fry the chicken, and I was like, okay. So from there, it just sort of became like, oh, wow, like it grew um, a little bit better. And then my first pop-up started in October again um, with Boss Babes for the Boss and Boobs event. And then Rhoda with R.C. Clay, she was having a pop-up downtown. I think it might have been Art Walk around the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, hey, you should take what you have left and come to K-Space. Um and I was like, I don't have a table. I don't have everything that I need, you know? And she says, oh, I'll just talk to Nicole. And like, she says, hey, she said you can come. So I ended up doing two pop-ups in one day. Wow. Uh, for that in October. So the deliveries started slowing down. The pop-ups started picking up. And I realized because I'm a lover of people, 
that the deliveries weren't giving me that fulfillment that I needed, to be honest. I was like, hey, here's your food. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yes. As opposed to a pop-up market where I can stand there at a table and really like pour into someone. They pour into me. We can share laughs. We can have like meaningful conversations. Um, and they don't have to be so quick. Like there's, you know, time and I can get to know my customers more and I can get to build those relationships. And so I've been able to do that. You know, I have repeat customers. I have new customers. Um, I have people who are just sort of dropping my name into places that I never thought about. Yes. Um, That's amazing. um, It just sort of grew from there. So I need to make some edits and some updates that um, I'm probably like a pop-up vendor at this point Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to delivery. However, if you do need something, let me know. Um, we can work it out and I can get it to you. So it's not that it's not an option anymore. Um, I've just kind of grown to love the pop-up markets. And so um, I've been doing those quite a bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've, you've been killing, <laughs> mean, you're everywhere. Like I said, I mean, you, you've been killing it and I've only gotten to try one of your, uh, treats. It was a red velvet cookie that you included in the bags for the rebel honey boutique. Uh grand opening and it was amazing and then i'm lucking out because you offered the best mom ever gift box for mother's day so if if you're okay with sharing i'd love to uh hear that story yes most people know not very many may know um but those who do um know that i lost my mom when i was 14. i'm so sorry so um yeah it was a very uh deep and dark way of how it happened um we had gone taken her to the hospital um, she struggled with diabetes, high blood pressure, um, typical, um, I guess, diseases you could say that you would get um, when you're just not healthy. And so we went to bed that night after she got home and I woke up and I remember touching her face and it was cold. Mm-hmm. I woke up to her having passed away in our sleep um, and I was 14. And so I often, in reflection, you know, sort of like, what would life be like if she was still here? You know, I'm finishing a PhD soon. You know, I've gotten through a master's program. Uh, Like, she missed a lot of the main moments, right? Like, high school graduation or eighth grade graduation, high school graduation, college graduation, you know. Uh, So it's just, like, reminiscing about all those things. Um, and I'm the oldest of three siblings. I have a younger brother and sister who are twins. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, my sister just graduated from uh, the Air Force. My brother got married a year ago. Um, Y'all are thriving. So- That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, thank you. They were 11. And so, you know, I was just for many years. Mother's Day was one of those days where I would cringe. Like, oh, you know, I just want to be by myself. Or I don't want to think about it. Let me just you know, cope with it the best way that I know how, um, which is like avoidance, avoidance Mm. coping. Um, And then I was like, you know what? What a good way that I can honor my mom with one of her favorite desserts. She loved pound cake. Um, She loved sweets. She could cook really well. Um, I got a lot of my cooking skills from her and my dad. They both cooked really well. Um, So I was like, you know what? Let's do something different this year. Uh, What a nice way you can honor your mom. Um, honor what life would have been like um, those who still have their mom you know what a good way to gift them with something sweet you know something that you know they can enjoy with a cup of coffee if they you know drink coffee um, but just something that's like hey mom I love you enjoy this um, homemade items um, so I just thought about my mom and what she probably would have wanted um, she loved food and everything we would do was surrounded by food. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had a family gathering, you know, they called her Tony, like, hey, what are you bringing? You know, what's Tony bringing? Or uh, that kind of thing. And so I think that was just sort of my inspiration. I was like, you know what? Let's do something a little bit different this year. Um, let's get out of that headspace. Let's change the mindset. Let's change the perspectives. Um, and what would your mom want? What would your mom do? Um, and so just really being able to give that tribute to her, honoring her, honoring all moms. Definitely. Um, they're biological or not. Um, you know, just being able to honor them, being able to gift them with something um, made with love, a whole lot of sugar. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, really just taking that time out to uh, celebrate, you know, the beautiful gifts that moms are. 
And so, yeah, that's pretty much how that came about. That is beautiful. And it really is such a beautiful way to honor your mother. Uh, I'm so grateful that you even thought to do it. You know, like I, I feel fortunate that I'm going to be able to experience this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I just think that the idea was brilliant and, um, I, I hope you're happy with it. You know, ultimately, you know, how, how you, you feel about it is important. Um, so not only for mother's day, which I feel like was a really cool addition to what you offer, but I mean, you pretty much offer something really neat for the major holidays as well. So I saw like last Halloween, you had like spooky pralines kind of thing. And then, Uh I mean, you even, I know you're probably not doing this anymore, but last Thanksgiving and Christmas, I mean, you were hooking people up with like sides and stuff. And so, I mean, you must really love to cook like that. That's something you're really passionate about because you'll even cook. Like I I wrote it down because you you did this Uh recipe that, oh, uh, where is it? You do like gumbo, you do like jambalaya, like all that kind of stuff. And I'd see people getting hooked up with, with, with everything. So you said that it mostly is inspired by the cooking in Louisiana. And so Mm -hmm. do you find that there's a big difference between cuisine in Louisiana and Texas? You know, yeah, for me, my palate just sort of, it's hard to describe, but I know like the taste. Um, And so I haven't really found my my place just yet um there are some places that i can go to and i'm like okay this will do Um, (laughs) that's hilarious just you know i'm like yeah that'll do like it was all right like you know it'll pass until i can go home um and so i found those places to say the least um Mm -hmm. but it's just something about flavor uh savory there's the cajun taste that i just haven't really found it 100% 100% here and I totally understand like that's what I'm saying it'll do I, I get my little fixes um here and there I love seafood mm-hmm. um, I don't eat fish though everyone laughs at me I'll eat crab shrimp crawfish but something about fish I just I can't do it that is um, that is funny I, I talked to somebody today who's like I don't else. eat fish <laughs> I'm like that's interesting I eat everything else um just no fish but yeah um just a slightly difference in just flavoring um I think back home, there's just really more like bang to it. You know, it's like pow, it hits you. Um, here, I think there's just a few things that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on it just yet. I'm, I'm trying to get there. Um, but I've come across, like I said, those spots like Momo's off Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, is it good? I've never been there. Oh, that's probably one of my favorites. Okay. I, I want to try to go. Um, even Brewster's, like their fried shrimp, mm-hmm. um, and fried oysters. I think just a batter is something just reminds me about a restaurant back home uh, that we have um, called Kate Street. The batter is just very similar. And I'm like, oh, okay, this satisfies my craving for Kate Street yes. just enough until I can get home, you know. Um, so I found those places that I'm like, it'll, it'll work out until I can get back to Louisiana. But yeah, there's a slight difference, um, but it's not one that's like totally terrible that I'm like, I cannot eat that ever, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm satisfied. Yeah, but but you're right. Like, it's not quite like <laughs> home. But, I mean, you have a tendency to kind of make your own rubs and spice mixes anyway, right? Because you came out with Savory Seasoning, which I love the yes. name. It's so good. And so yes, was that because so- you felt like there was a niche that needed to be filled? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I'm like, this is what I'm used to back home. And so for me, I was like, hey, you can actually just make your own spice. Um, and so it's sort of like my all purpose. Like, that's my Tony. That's my Slappy Mama. That's my take on, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of all purpose seasonings. Yeah, very good. And so you said that both of your parents were really good cooks and that you learned a lot from mm-hmm. them. Do you have mm-hmm. kind of a go to that you're like, you know, my mom taught me this and it's it it always works or it's always, you know, critical in my cuisine and everything. Definitely. The red beans and rice for sure. Um, and we use all the smoked meat. So ham hocks, pigtails, uh, smoked sausage, all that goes in there. Um, definitely the Holy Trinity. Um, you know, your garlic, bell pepper, onion, you know, all of that flavor just kind of goes in there. Add some of the savory seasoning, kind of give it a little kick. Of course. Um, definitely have a palate for spice. Um, so for sure, her red beans and rice, uh, my daddy's fried chicken, um, my granny's potato salad, like a lot of that, uh, my daddy's candy yams, you know, so both of them are really good cooks. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of took from them, uh, watched them and, 
you know, just sort of adapted, I guess, my own. I like to get a little creative um, or a lot creative in terms of like different ingredients. I'll experiment uh, with different ingredients as well to see how I can make it a little bit better or, you know, add a little bit different flavor profile um, for something that I'm more used to. Um, but yeah, definitely the red beans and rice is probably one of the main things. Um, the seafood mac and cheese as well. Oh man, um, I uh, saw you post about that too. I'm like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's another one though uh, with lump crab meat and uh, fresh gulf shrimp. So um, that's a really, really big one as well. Girl, I would love to eat your food. Like I, I'm just. I got you. Just let me know. I, I, I will. Like I mean, you know, and of course you can tell me no, but I'm just like, man. I yeah, let me know. I, yeah, no. Like I'm you. What you make is like exactly my comfort food, you know. And I know the flavor is gonna be there, so I'm uh, pretty stoked about that. So I feel as though, because you're definitely known for savory, but I feel like sweets are really where it's at when it comes to like the pop-ups and that kind of thing. So do yeah, you um, have like best sellers? Are there stuff that you people just go crazy for and what are they? It's the brownies. Um, <laughs> brownies usually sell out completely. Um, also, uh, Alex at Papa Natural really enjoys uh, the sugar cookies whenever I'm able to see her. Mm -hmm. um, the sugar cookies for some reason, like she really loves those. Um, peach cobbler at one point, uh, pralines. I haven't had a chance to make those in a little bit, uh, just because of time. Right. Uh, and I can get to be a little, um, perfectionistic. I just want them to come out perfect. You know, there's a certain look they need to have for me to be presentable. And, right. Uh, you know what you're looking for. Know. Yeah. Uh, the pralines for sure. Um, but definitely the brownies, um, in terms of like pop up, those tend to go very quickly. Um, the coconut white chocolate is a favorite as well as the butterfinger peanut butter. Wow. I, yes, literally all of that. <laughs> so do you have any pop-ups coming up soon? I know you have your event on the 18th, but are there any pop-ups scheduled? Yeah. So, um, on Saturday, May 7th from 11 to five, I'll be at Hello Beautiful Boutique off of Alameda. Um, so I'll be there actually this time, actually, uh, serving a savory, um, dish, which would be the spicy Rotel nacho. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Uh, that's actually pretty new. I haven't served them in the form of nachos just yet. I've only served it um, as a dip with chips. And so um, that'll be something that's a little bit different um, coming up this weekend. Very good. And so I know for those of us who ordered our Mother's Day boxes, yes. we are going to be picking those up on Saturday also, right? Yes, correct. And so I was going to make that announcement that if you did order one, you could pick it up from me at the Hello Beautiful um, Boutique Market between 11 and five, or if you needed a later time, um, I could deliver uh, after that, if you weren't able to pick it up. Perfect, and is it too, it's probably too late for people to order a Mother's Day box, right? I had the date of May 1st um, Okay. the deadline. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's coming on, so hopefully next year, guys. Um, or y'all can visit her, well, I guess you'll do, if you go to the pop-up, you'll do savory, you'll, you'll try her nachos, which actually sound pretty amazing. So I'm probably going to be eating yeah, nachos on Saturday. Some, all the toppings, if you want some sour cream, jalapenos, want a little shredded cheese extra, you know, um, some crushed onions, hot onions. If oh you want some my spicy on top. Um, they'll be really, they'll be dressed up really nice for you. So I'm going to be yeah, eating good this weekend. Come by and get a bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for that. So earlier you said that really nobody in the family that you're aware of really had uh, any sort of desire to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So would you say that this is something that's come pretty easy and now that your family's seen you do it, they're like, huh, you know, maybe I never really thought about doing that, but now I should. My sister, uh, she's inspired to either go into candle making or t-shirt designing or both. Wow. Uh, and so I, one of my biggest goals has always just been to, or biggest desires or aspirations um, has always been to just be a good role model um, for them, for my siblings. Um, and so hearing her say that, that she's like, you know what, I think I want to make candles. And so every time I'm on Instagram and I see like a candle making reel, I send it to her. And she's like, oh, thank you. You know, mm -hmm. so just continuing to even right now, uh, just pour into that. So whenever she's done with her Air Force stuff, um, even while she's doing it, you know, maybe she finds some spark and says, hey, I'm going to go out and buy all my materials today Yes, um, uh, to get started. And so uh, I definitely think it caught my sister's attention. Um, and sometimes she doesn't like to admit it, but she's like, I want to be like my big sister. You Aww. Know? Uh, she doesn't like to admit it, but I do think like I know she's watching. And I think that um, everything that I'm doing, 
I would hope is uh, inspiring her to go for her goal um, of starting her business as well. So I have yeah. no doubt. Uh huh. Yeah, it, it's definitely, it feels natural almost, I guess, because again, like fighting through that fear of like, oh, are you going to open a restaurant? Are you going to open a restaurant? Sometimes I feel like we deeply within inside of ourselves know like, yes, I do want to start the restaurant, but I'm not going to tell other people that I'm too scared. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of what that might look like if I tell them, yes, I want to do it. And it, something happens or something, you know, misfires and it doesn't go out the way that I had it planned in my head or something. And so um, I think that desire to do something, to start something has always been there for me. It was just fighting through the self-doubt, fighting through the fear of like, what if it doesn't work out? Of course. Seeing the quote about what if it doesn't work out, but darling, what if it does? Yes. And so um, really, like I said, I just went for it uh, in faith, not having any clue about what I was doing. I think in my intro video, uh, which I hope to do a reintroduction, so I've gotten a lot of new people. um, I talked about that. Like it was just really a leap of faith in the middle of a doc program, in the middle of, you know, starting a full, new full-time job. At the time, I was just a few months in on it. Um, I started in January, and it was in August. And so, you know, a lot of changes were happening personally, professionally. And then I decided to do this, and I don't regret any of it. I've grown so much. I've met so many amazing people. Um, so many, I feel like, this lasting connections Um that I feel like I'll be able to have um, and take with me in terms of support and just growth and building my network um, throughout doing this. And if I wouldn't have done it, I would have met so many people um, that I know now. So Fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're incredible. I, it kills me that I've never met you in person. Um, that's going to change on Saturday. Uh, yeah, happen Saturday. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you for being willing to be on the podcast, having never met me. Uh, but sure. I, I think you're amazing. Um, you know, the business that you brought here to Corpus Christi, I'm just stoked. I mean, everybody's just singing your praises. And like I said, I got to try the one thing and it was so delicious, but not to mention the fact that you are providing the services that you are at the university. I mean, you are just crucial and I'm so grateful for you and everything you bring to the community. And thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yes. Thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed the conversation. You know, everything's been lovely tonight. So much appreciation and gratitude for that. Thank you.